One of the things that we are constantly told is to never discuss politics or religion with someone unless you are sure that the two of you share the same perspective. Now, as a matter of social etiquette, that may be good advice. But as Christians, we are called upon to evangelize others. We have to try to share our faith. We see in the first reading that it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ to them. With one accord, the crowd paid attention to what was said by Philip, and when they heard it and saw all of the signs that he was doing. This is the classic image of evangelization, where a Christian has the opportunity to share the gospel with others who are receptive, or at least attentive, to the message that he's giving. However, truth be told, when we try to evangelize others, not infrequently, the other person will be resistant and argumentative. Or sometimes, perhaps, when we're not even trying to evangelize someone, a person, simply knowing that we are a Catholic or a Christian, will challenge us on some point of the faith. When that happens, we are no longer in the world of evangelization. We're at, we've entered into the realm of apologetics. Here, we recall the words of St. Peter from the second reading. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and reverence. Just as we shouldn't shy away from sharing our faith with others, even at the risk that they might reject it, we also shouldn't shy away from defending our faith when it's challenged. This is what apologetics is. That's not to say that there might not be times when it's better to walk away from an argument with another person rather than to engage. But recognize, too, that there are times when the Holy Spirit is calling us to be witnesses and defenders of our faith. Now, ideally, when we enter into an apologetical dialogue with another person, it will eventually turn into an evangelical opportunity. In other words, we will turn back their direct attack or challenge on the faith, and we will open that person to being converted to Catholicism. But first things first. In order to get to that point, we first have to defend the Catholic faith against whatever attack or challenge is being levied against it. So here's my collection of 13 tips for engaging in a spirited but respectful defense of your faith. Why 13? Just because. First, know who it is that you are talking to. To defend our faith, we have to know where the person attacking it is coming from so that we can tailor our answers to them. The best apologetical argument is the one that will make the most sense to that person, whether they are an atheist or a follower of a non-Christian religion or a Protestant or even an ex-Catholic or perhaps a Catholic who is still in the church but dissents from the church on one or more teachings. Thus, before trying to respond to someone's challenge, try to find out what perspective they are coming from. The second tip, keep you're cool. There is a time for righteous anger, but this is not it. No matter what the other person says, if you can stay calm and proceed rationally, you will do a lot to advance the faith, especially with atheists. 
They often expect religious people to be emotional or unable to, be, to engage in considered discussion. If you can be lighthearted and genial to them, you will do a lot to diffuse the antagonism that the other person might present. Third, be sensitive to feelings. Remember that people who attack the church or her teachings are often speaking from a point of emotional hurt or insecurity. This is especially true of ex-Catholics. Be sensitive to their feelings and don't try to beat them down with the force of your arguments. Rather, try to get them to the point where they want to agree with you. Fourth, let your faith shine through. This point applies especially to dealing with fellow Christians, especially those of an evangelical or fundamentalist variety. People relate to people, especially to people who they think are something like them. If you can show that other person that you read and take the scripture seriously, that Christ is the center of your faith, and that you believe in personal prayer and a personal relationship to God, then you will show that Protestant person that you, as a Catholic, are not so different from them. That of itself will change more hearts than any argument. Fourth, know the scriptures. This should be obvious when dealing with evangelicals or fundamentalists, since the scriptures are our one common language. However, it's often just as important when dealing with other types of Protestants, or dissenting Catholics, or even non-believers. Although these latter groups may not believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, they will often try to cite scripture against us to try to show that the teachings or practices of the Catholic faith are contrary to what we proclaim as the word of God. So read your Bible and know it well. Fourth, and this is very important, do not dodge the difficult issues. If someone asks you a question about some sort of hot-button issue, do not try to avoid it and sweet-talk them about something else. It seems, and it is, very condescending. If someone asks you, for example, why is the church against gay marriage, then you need to be able to respond without evasion to that issue. You can and should, of course, try to place any of those hard teachings of the church in the context of Christ's love and mercy but do not ever make the person think that you are trying to avoid the topic. You would not like it if you were in their position. Six, have modest expectations. While ideally responding to a person's apologetical challenge will give you the direct opportunity to evangelize, recognize that this will not often be the case, at least immediately. There is nothing wrong with that. While ultimately we want everyone to share in the fullness of the faith, that does not mean that we should necessarily expect that everyone we talk to will become a Catholic right then and there. Most of the time, sincere conversions are not hasty. Rather, our immediate aim should be to remove false conceptions about the Catholic Church and her teachings, and the hope that the further action of the Holy Spirit will make that person embrace the Catholic faith in due season. Further, even if the person does not come to fully accept the Catholic faith, if that person simply recognizes or understands some teachings of the church better, that will improve our relations with non-Catholics, and it will give us greater hope that those people, even if they are outside the church, will ultimately be saved. Seven, 
give them some credit. When people approach you with aggressive or even somewhat rude questions, questions or challenges, you will do the situation a world of good if you can affirm at least some premise of their question or challenge. When you partially agree with someone, then they feel listened to and they feel open to hearing what you have to say. At the very least, you can almost always respond to when someone says something to you with, that's a good question, or at least that's an interesting question before beginning to respond. Eighth, ask them questions. Do not just launch into a, re a rebuttal of the argument or respond to the question being asked, especially if the question or argument is not entirely clear, and most of the time it won't be. Ask a few questions to clarify the basis of their challenge or the premise of the debate. Asking a question or two will also give you the time to think and will allow the person the opportunity to feel that they're being heard rather than being given some kind of canned response. Ninth, and this is also very important, avoid all or nothing arguments. Now, it's a typical tactic of an antagonist to goad us into giving one ultimate reason for a belief or practice, since a single ground for something is more easily attacked. However, as Catholics, remember that almost anything that we believe does not depend upon one argument or one reason or one scripture passage. I often think of this when people try to ask me, why is the church making you be celibate? Recall that a good apologetical approach is to show, that, to show a person that multiple arguments or reasons or scriptural, scriptural accounts combine to give us the reason or the support for a given belief or practice. Tenth, remember that there is a form to something and then there is an essence. Catholic practices, including the Mass and the sacraments, have taken on a variety of valid forms throughout history, and they continue to have different forms between the Eastern and Western practices in the Church. Do not get stuck into the problem of defending a particular form as though it were of the essence. The Bible defines our faith, not every detail of how we practice the faith. The Bible is there to teach us what to believe, but specific details of how we practice our beliefs may come from other sources of inspiration. This is especially important to remember when dealing with Bible-believing types. You can't necessarily prove that each detail of the way that we celebrate the Mass or the sacraments or some other practice is specifically commanded by Scripture. You can, however, show them that these Catholic practices do have a basis in Scripture and that the way that we do them is not inconsistent with the Bible and that the practice of these things leads us to a greater faith in Christ. Again, this is a situation where a personal example is often very helpful. 11, avoid discussing personalities. This applies especially to dealing with ex-Catholics, but also to others. Sadly, not every Catholic who is out there, and this unfortunately includes some priests and religious sisters and catechists and teachers, not all of them understand and embrace the truth of the Catholic faith. Many, many people, both Catholics and non-Catholics, have been misled at some point by someone who is Catholic, perhaps even someone who has some sort of office in the church who is teaching something about the faith which is in fact very wrong. 
When confronted with this sort of situation, when a person argues to you, for example, my Catholic neighbor told me that Catholics believe such and such, do not get into a discussion of personalities and don't speculate about why that other person might have said that to them. Instead, simply respond, let me tell you what I understand the church to teach about that issue. Number 12, do not lead with complexity. A famous philosopher once said that oftentimes a person's greatest fault comes from a desire to want to tell others everything that we think we know. In some ways, the rules and teachings of the Catholic Church are complex. They contain many nuances, exceptions, and layers, etc. They are this way because they are intended to cover many different situations and to apply to all people everywhere. This is a good thing. However, unfortunately, some Catholics have a way of over-explaining these nuances when discussing the faith with others before the person even asks about them. For example, a person will ask why the church is against divorce, and then the Catholic will start answering that and explaining to them all the nuances of the annulment process. That kind of argument can make Catholicism sound legalistic and arcane to the uninitiated. Instead, I recommend that you set forth the basic teachings of the church and then let the other person follow up with questions about exceptional situations as they occur to them. And 13, pray. Prayer is very important to the, the apologetical mission because very often these types of situations put us in a kind of emotional conflict with others. This can give rise to strong feelings and hurts on our part or on the part of the other person. The devil loves to troll in these waters. To be an effective apologist for our faith, we must constantly seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit in prayer so that we might stand for the truth, but do it with love. No matter how abrasive or abusive a challenger to our faith might be to us, we must seek to banish pride and arrogance and mean-spiritedness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.